Hello, I'm Michael Williams, and welcome to The Teller and the Tale. Michael Williams here, and you are listening to The Teller and the Tale, starting things off there with a little bit of my Ali Bali B. Well, this week, my very special storyteller guest is Claire Obermark. Uh, Claire is an Anglo-Scottish uh, storyteller now living in Sedona, Arizona in the USA. Now, I first met Claire uh, when we were both living in Scotland. Uh, like myself, Claire uh, was a member of the Scottish Storytelling Directory. We were both storytellers, and uh, we saw a lot of each other back then. And then, uh, not long ago, uh, Claire married uh, an American who was studying ed in Edinburgh at the time. But unfortunately, uh, although they would have been happy to uh, have stayed there, uh, changes in immigration law uh, designated uh, her husband a non-EU citizen, and hence uh, he had to leave and return to America. And he arranged to take Claire with him. And as I said, they now live in Sedona, Arizona. I connected with uh, Claire over uh, Zoom, uh, given the current uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, and uh, we had a delightful conversation, as you'll soon hear. Claire, you were very much part of the uh, storytelling community in Scotland, and, and you still are. Um, but your origins... Um, so your uh, accent is Yorkshire, is that right? Yeah, my accent is a hybrid, I guess, because I was born down in Wiltshire in right. the south of England. And then I moved to Yorkshire as a child and grew up uh, and was a young adult in Yorkshire as well. So I have um, kind of a, a link to both places. Right. Um, and, and we had family in Yorkshire as well. My grandmother was from Yorkshire on my father's side. Um, and on my mum's side, it's Derbyshire and Wales. So um, it's quite a kind of mixed, you know, right. a little bit of a mixed background, really. And then I went, grew up in Yorkshire, and then obviously went to Scotland from Yorkshire. And what took you yeah. to Scotland? Fate, I think. I just, <laughs> I just, I had to go. There were a few things that happened, and um, it was very, it's very strong, and it was very kind of, it's a spiritual thing, you know, I had yeah. to go. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, understand I, just, I didn't yeah I didn't decide that I was going to Scotland I think Scotland just went oi and kind of just decided I was going and yeah. there was really no choice I was going you know, and and uh, and when did the when did the storytelling uh, thing come I mean was that fate as well how did you find your way in, into the storytelling community I just um, I, I listened I listened and I listened and I listened and I'd already started in, well, from a family point of view as well, I guess, you know, you always, I always got it. Um, 
because I've got a really big family. So I grew up with sto family stories. Right, right. And my gran was hilarious. Both my grands were hilarious and my mum's hilarious. And they're great storytellers. And they'd, make, they'd tell us all these stories about my uncles, you know, and aunties and these kind of fabled family tales that just get retold and retold. Like, do you remember when? Do you remember when? And so you have these stories. Um, so that's how it really started. Right. And I remember my granddad, my Welsh granddad, my mum's my dad, he didn't speak English until he was 21. Mm. And I remember once, he was a very shy man. He didn't tell a lot of stories and things like that. But what happened was, I remember really vividly, Michael, I was in my grandparents' back garden in Derbyshire and they had this great long garden. At the end of the garden, there was a fence into a field. And... Um, Every uh, see every autumn, Granddad would burn, you know, make do a burn, you know, in the garden. Right. And then he was doing his kind of seasonal burn in the garden. He'd got a bonfire going, and he was singing and he was singing this song in Welsh. But that was the first time that I ever heard another language as a child. Yeah. That was the first moment that I thought I realised there were other things. What 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 you do know, you what do you imagine when when you say other things? Um, what's that a picture of? Well, other things, other languages. Yeah, yeah. The things that I weren't wasn't aware of. Right. It was suddenly a light had got shone into this little tiny world of mine. There are a few things that happened. I think not leading to storytelling. The other one that I remember was I was at school doing history, and we were doing about the. the the royal family, history of the royal family. And I asked the teacher, this doesn't make sense. Is there, what, what about the Scottish royal family and, and the other places and how does it all link up? And I got told off. Right. I got wow. told that they weren't important and I didn't need to ask about those things. And I remember sitting there fuming, thinking, I think I was about 10 or 11 thinking like, this isn't right. Mm -hmm. So really that ignited this activism in me this thing well, actually what this person in charge is telling me that's not right yes yes and i knew there were again other things and i think it's this need to look behind yeah. look behind the screen yeah at the truth and it's like a truth searching mission that there are other things aside from what the history books tell you it's like lifting and the veil yeah. lifting the veil and i got and with this teacher i mean he was a lovely teacher there was nothing wrong it was very nice and I don't know if he was maybe put on the spot because maybe Scottish and Irish and Welsh history weren't his thing, you know, yeah, he maybe yeah. didn't know it well. But as a child, but his reaction was very, you don't need to know. Right. right. And, I, and I sat there, I remember thinking, I would like to know that. I do think I need to know because I'm not, I'm, I'm only getting a quarter of this information. This doesn't feel full. But I loved that. But also I did feel as if I wanted to know the real history of this small group of islands where I grew up. Right. And I knew that through organized repression, through the Thatcher years and, and prior to that where languages got repressed and we lost a huge amount, you know, um, and that all these things going on, I was watching all this whilst I was growing up, you know. Yeah. So I realized that I wanted my history. I wanted to find out the history of the place where I was born. Yeah. Um, and it's a very small place. So it didn't matter that I was born at certain in the middle of it and I was learning about something that was a few hours away. To me, yes. it's like, so what? 
this small group of islands has such a rich history to it. Yes. And this yes. is where I was born, and I want to know. Yeah. Claire, can, can, can you take us back to your, if you can remember, your very first storytelling session? Or close enough to it, anyway? I think, yeah, I think, the f I think it, I, tr I told a story and I got it wrong. I got it really wrong. And I was devastated. What I told. What? I messed it. I don't know. I just messed. I just got so nervous. Was it? Was this I with adults it. or where? Where? Where, where were you adults, telling? With adults. With yeah. adults. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I just, I said, like, I'd, I'd gone to try and do it at the time before, and I was chickened out. So I was like, no, I'll just listen tonight. I just, and I was like, right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I practiced and practiced, and then I stood up and up, and it just went. Yeah. Yeah. It happens, you know, doesn't it? And I went wrong, but it's good. It's, it's good to clean your teeth, and it's good to go wrong. That's yeah. that's how you learn, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah. It's I it's a great. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I'll go wrong again. You know, we all go wrong. Yeah, yeah. But you're absolutely right. It's it's a it's a necessary part of the learning, um, yeah. and to and to know that even some of the best storytellers can go wrong. It and, gets you. Yeah. yeah. And I think there's when you're around. I think a lot of it's to do with when you're around people who you really look up to and yeah. you're really in awe of. Yeah. It's nerve-wracking. Yeah, it is. nerve-wracking. <laughs> and you're like, oh, no, they're going to they're gonna judge me and throw tomatoes at me and trick me I out know. the window. And, of yeah. course, they're not, and it's totally fine. But, yeah. but when you're around people who you really admire, yeah. then that's when the nerves get. They do. And it happens to everyone. And... Uh, I remember, um, you know, David Campbell telling me that uh -huh. you have you need to remember that the audience they want you to succeed. They they don't come to you know because they want you to fail. They're there because they want right. you to do well. And and so they yeah. are very um, you know on the whole they are very forgiving. And uh -huh. of course, what you learn after a while is if you forget something, you just ask the audience, you know, what comes next. <laughs> yeah. And then you just use that, you know, and, yeah. and sometimes it's the right part. But I, I've had kids, you know, not sure themselves. So, you know, they're not, they, they make it up and then you just use that mm -hmm. until you can get back on track again. So it's like mm -hmm. uh, you, you just go off in a, on, a, on a little detour for a while. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. There, there are little tricks and tips. But I know, you know, working with, with people that want to become storytellers, it's one of the great fears um that they'll they'll forget or they'll make a mistake and then people will uh -huh. laugh at them and um yeah i i i've never seen an audience turn hostile like that i, I maybe it, ha it it does happen to people but i've never i've never in all my, all those years of uh, storytelling nah. i've never seen an audience you know be hostile or throw tomatoes nah. i've never yeah. seen tomatoes thrown <laughs> it's a different vibe isn't it it's just yeah. you don't get hecklers you don't tend to, and even if even if it's you know I, you know, I, I reckon we've all told and listened to stories that, you know, we thought, oh, that wasn't the best or whatever. Yeah. But nobody, everybody's just glad that you've done something. That's it, know? exactly. And everybody's it, just and, glad. Yeah, and it encourages someone else. You know, someone says, oh, I, you know, oh, she made a mistake there, but look, she's still doing it. And I think that encourages the next person to say, oh, maybe it's yeah. not so bad then, you know. And I'll yeah, glad everybody yeah and if i've yeah. inspired somebody because i messed something up wow then it's a success it's great mm -hmm. well claire could do you, um could you share a story with us yeah sure um i'm i'm d currently doing a series called mountains rocks and stones 
and I'm trying to tell a different story each week and put it out. And I'm trying to find some key spots here in Sedona and around the place, um, you know, to tell mountain rocks and stone stories and link them to these little funny folk tales or little tales from the other side of the world. That, um, and so that's, they've been in my mind recently. So I'm going to um, tell, I think, the stone cutter. Okay. Oh, okay, nice. Um, and it kind of reflects what we what we touched on earlier about the grass always being greener, you know, and about valuing where we're at, you know, and you're looking at things in hindsight thinking, wow, that was actually quite amazing where I was, <laughs> you know. Um, so the stone putter um, is it's quite well known, isn't it? It's, it goes in different versions around the world. There's Andrew Lang version. And then there's the fisherman and his wife, and there's different versions of what we'd call the stonecutter. But I think it's really cool because it it links to that game rock paper scissors. Mm. And there's not a lot of times that I found a story that links to a playground game like that. And it it reminded me of the magic of when you're young at school. Where do kids get this information? Like I can't remember how I learned rock paper scissors, but I know it. Yeah. cat code and all those things what would they just arrive out of nowhere you know it's really amazing so the stone cutter um can be found you know if you just google the stone cutter you'll find it and at the end you can retell it um quite easily and i've added a song in at the end which i'll try and do if i feel up to it so once on a time there lived a stone cutter and Every day, the stonecutter went to the great slab of rock, the great side of the mountain, where he cut the pieces from each day. And because he was as a stone himself, he was steady and he's reliable. Um, he got lots of customers. You know, he was never out of work. And he became very valued because he was the guy you went to because he knew what type of stone you needed for which job and the size of it. If it was a gravestone or a, a stones for a house or a bridge, you know, he would know exactly what you needed. And so that's what he did. He was a stone cutter and his life was regulated and his life was steady. And every now and again, he'd go down the pub and see his friends. And um, sometimes as they were sat around the fire, this old tale would resurface about this spirit who lived in the mountain and they said that the spirit gifted people riches but it was a lazy spirit it would not turn up for centuries and then just if it could be bothered just arrive you know and the stone cutter would get annoyed and he'd say i work at the mountain i'm the stone cutter this spirit does not exist for if it did i would have seen it and i would have heard it for i work there now let's stop this tale of fairy tales and old wife's tales and think of something else. And he'd plonk his tankard down on the table and they'd, they'd change the subject. Well, a few weeks later, the stonecutter got asked to take a specific piece to a rich merchant's house. And he did. And when he got there, it was really the richest residence he'd ever seen. It was so glorious, perfectly 
um, designed gardens, you know, the light aspects throughout the whole house were all perfect. Every room beautifully designed, stunning architecture. It was absolutely beautiful. And when the stonecutter asked if he could use the facilities, he bobbed to the loo and he sneaked into one of the rooms just to have a peek. He couldn't help himself. And in one of the rooms, he saw what must have been the main master bedroom because he saw the most richest, most expensive looking, comfiest bed he'd ever seen in his life. And he thought, oh, oh, that bed looks divine. I could sleep for a hundred years in that bed. And he creeped over and he sat down on the, the mattress and he was like, oh, this is divine. Oh, oh, so comfy, so comfy. Anyway, he left the house and he went back to his own little wooden hut that he'd fashioned himself. And he went back to work as normal. And he just said to himself, as he was walking to work one day, oh, wish I was rich, you know. I wish, I wish I was rich and I had a big posh house like that. And a big comfy bed to sleep in. My back is starting to ache. If I could have a decent night's sleep, that'd be great. And a voice out of nowhere said, a rich man you'll be. And the stonecutter looked around and he couldn't see anything. There was nothing there. He just carried on with his work. But you know, from that moment, the tools that he used felt a bit heavier. His back hurt a little bit more and the day slowed down. And eventually he just downed his tools and he thought, right, you know what, I'm gonna call it quits early today, I'm gonna go home. It's just not happening for me today. So he got his tools and he went home and he rounded the bend and he couldn't believe his eyes. He got round the corner and his little wee wooden hut that he built himself had been transformed into the poshest, biggest house that he'd ever seen. And he walked in and he went straight upstairs into the master bedroom and there was the comfiest bed in the world. And he slept that night and he forgot of his old life straight away, completely. And from that minute on, he just walked around his new palace, enjoying it and looking around, enjoying all these beautiful things and admiring the light and admiring all the wonderful furniture, and all these things. But one day it got really hot and he pulled all the blinds down in the palace, but he was still a bit bored. And he thought, well, I'll just see what's going on out there. So he walked over to the window and he peeked out of the blind. And just as he did so, he saw a prince going past the window in a beautiful carriage with two footmen on either side, holding a golden umbrella over his head. And he said, oh, look at that guy. Look at his immaculate servants. He's got a, a golden umbrella being held over his head. Oh, if only I was a prince with a golden umbrella. And a voice out of nowhere said, a prince you will be. Well, the next day he woke up and he was a prince. And he was in his carriage and he had lovely, well-adorned servants and they were holding this golden umbrella over his head away from the, away from the sun. But, you know, after a while, he thought, oh, you know, no matter what I do, the sun still scorches all the grass on my beautiful lawns. My skin still feels dry. I mean, the umbrella, it's not covering. All my shins are still getting burned. I'm still having to moisturize. I'm still aging. This is no good. This is no good. And his face burnt. And he said, you know what? I wish I was the sun. 
and a voice out of nowhere said, the son you will be. And the next day he woke up and he was the son. He was the actual son. He burnt up and he scorched all the fields and all the grass. He burnt the faces of the princes and paupers. And this went on and he was radiant and he was glorious. But eventually he grew tired of his might and he saw a cloud passing. And just as this cloud passed, it kind of hid over his face and hid everything. And he said, that cloud can decide what I do or don't do. That it's stopping the rays from me hitting the earth. If only I was a cloud. And a voice out of nowhere said, a cloud you will be. And he was a cloud. And he had a great time as a cloud. And he poured water all over the earth and all over the towns. And all the grass grew green again and all the flowers blossomed. But he poured too much water so the crops were stood steeped in water and rivers overflowed their banks and towns had to be evacuated and things were destroyed and he looked around and he saw the side of this great mountain and he said no matter what I do no matter how much water or sunlight or what I do and pour onto there it goes unmoved and he moved further towards the sound side of the mountain face and he looked at the sleek side rock of the mountain and he said, this rock is unmoved regardless of what's around it. If only I was a rock. And a voice out of nowhere said, a rock you'll be. So a rock he became, he became the side of the mountain and he thought, this is amazing, this is great. I can withstand all the elements. I've got time to ponder. I can just think about things. I'm very great, nothing's gonna hurt me. But one day, he felt something tingling at the bottom of his foot. And he looked down and there he saw a man with tools hitting the side of his foot. And he felt a great tremor running all through his body. And he cried out, what, what's going on? Is this lowly man better than me, stronger than me? Is he able to? And just as he said that, a huge piece of him, a huge slab fell crashing to the earth. And the man started to divide up the pieces of the great mountain that had fallen off. And the stonecutter said, how can this be? I wish I was a man. And a voice out of nowhere said, a man you will be. Like that, he was turned back into a man. And the stonecutter never heard the voice of the mountain's ever again. And he never spoke of it. And none of his friends brought that subject up when they were sat around the fire with their tankards of beer in the pub. It was as if these things had never come to be. And the stonecutter became steady and reliable again. He became fixed and purposeful. And every day he went to the side of the mountain and cut his stone. And every day he went home. And he met a lady. And they got married and they lived for a long long time until he passed and at a ripe old age and his wife sang his lament it is around this time of year i sing a song for you for if i do not sing your song 
my tears they fall anew. For you were once my love, my dear, you were once my bow. Until the end of time, my dear, through rain and sun and snow. Around your face the angels danced and took you as their own. So now you'll sit up high and wait, silent as a stone. I can wait a thousand years, my story does not change. I'll sing your song for all my time until I see your face. It was a face I'll not forget, nor a voice so soft. Your patience and your gentle ways will never be forgot. For you were once my love, my dear, you were once my bow. Until the end of time, my dear, through rain and sun and snow. Wow, thank you, Claire. That was Claire Overmark telling the story of the stonecutter. You're listening to The Teller in the Tale on Blues and Roots Radio. I'm Michael Williams, your host, and this week my guest is Claire Obermark. Uh, what a journey. Thanks very much for taking us on that. And I love the song at the end. It's just a lovely way to to end and, and also give the listener, uh, gave me, you know, me time to re- just reflect on the story, which... I think songs like that often do. Um, yeah. They, they, yeah. I think it's important, isn't it, to give the the listener time to process the story in their own Definitely. way. Definitely. And I've been thinking about that lately, mm-hmm. Michael, about dropping into a story and giving it time. And I thought mm-hmm. that with this story because mm-hmm. there's a lot going on in it, and it's quite quick. Things is changing all the way yeah. through, obviously, because that's what it's about. Yeah. So you have got to stop at the end and go. Oh, okay, we could get and then that happened. I think now's the time, even though all this crazy stuff's going on, it is a time where you can really work on these stories. You can go back and revisit a story and sit with it. And I am enjoying that. I am enjoying just being left to the story. Claire, we've, um, well, we're running out of time, but I want to ask you, if if you were to be dropped into a story magically, Uh What kind of story? What kind of story would it be, and what kind of character would it oh, be? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, oh, you obviously want to say the hero. I want to be the hero, but I don't know. I think years ago I would have said I want to be the helper. You know, I wanted yeah. to be the woman in the cottage who they come across in the woods and she helps them, and I would say that. But now you know, I'm a bit old, Michael. I think I'd like to be the hero. Yeah, I think yeah. I've got more confidence yeah. now, and I think, you know, I think now you yeah, will have a go at being a hero, making some mistakes, and getting in scrapes, and yeah. And 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 if and in your ideal uh, form as a as a story character, yeah. as a story hero, um, what age would you be? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I remember loving loving the feeling as if I was invincible when I was about when I was little, you know. When you're yeah. nine and ten, and you you just absolutely determined that you can fly, yeah. You know, when you yeah. jump down the stairs and you're like, I can fly, I can do this. I'm just going to yeah. stay in the air. You know, 
that age, I think I want that age mentally, but I'll be as I am now, maybe a little bit lighter so I can run a bit faster, be a yeah, bit more agile, yeah. but I'll have that yeah. mentality. I'll have my 10 year old it... self yeah. in, a, in my own body now, yeah. So, so Claire, um, just to finish, um, we're in the middle of July in 2020, in the middle of this pandemic. Um, oh. You're in Sedona, Arizona. What's coming up for you and, and what are you looking forward to in terms of storytelling? For storytelling, um, we have a monthly meet here. It's now via Zoom. It's called Kaylee Corner. Okay. Um, so anybody who wants to drop into that is very welcome. We're very relaxed with the Zoom. You can be an experienced teller or you can just read out a poem you've written or read anything out. It's very chilled out. Mm -hmm. So it's a, um, that is called Katie Corner and it's always on the last Thursday of the month. And you mentioned so the, you mentioned the, you mentioned the Good Crack Club. Uh, when's, can you give us a date and uh, how that, uh, how people might be able to join that? Sure. Good Crack is the 31st of July, 7.30 um, British summertime. So BST be 7.30 p.m. Um, you can go to the Facebook or the website of the Scottish Storytelling Centre and it's free, but you just need to book in, you know. So you just click on get tickets and then you provide your email, kind of log in and they'll give you your free ticket and there's a suggested donation. So they're asking for people obviously just to support the Storytelling Centre and leave a donation if you can. That would be really appreciated, Claire. It's been yeah. a it's been a real pleasure having you on the show and talking and, and learning a bit about your life and um, and best of all to to hear the story of the stonecutter. Thanks so much. It's been lovely to talk to you, Michael. Yeah, and Take let's care. well let's do this again and and mm -hmm. uh, catch up again, and hopefully I'll I'll see you at um, Good Crack and um, also yeah. if not maybe uh, I'll be able to pop in at uh, one of your local. Um, uh, storytellings yeah. uh, from Sedona in Arizona. Yeah, that would be lovely. That would be really a big <laughs> treat. Anyway, Claire, thanks so much, and uh, we'll we'll catch up with you again. Thanks, Michael. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. And that was storyteller Claire Obermark from uh, Sedona, Arizona. I was speaking to her uh, to her at her home uh, over Zoom. This is The Teller in the Tale on Blues and Roots Radio. We're here every Sunday morning at Eastern Standard Time and on Thursdays in the evening. Check out bluesandrootsradio.com for details of times in your area. So until next week, this is Michael Williams uh, saying, well, before I say goodbye, actually, find out more about Claire on her Facebook page, facebook.com uh, storyteller Claire Obermark. That's storyteller Claire Obermark, O-B-E-R-M-A-R-C-K. Until next week then, this is Michael Williams saying may all your once upon a times and happily ever after. Goodbye. Now I know it is well, it is well, that's the story I'll